and it takes your time to get up. So, uh, Marv B, even though you have 49 years, you're not the oldest here, but, we, but you're next. So, Marv B, Mila B, with 48 years, come on up and get on deck. Jim C, with 48 years, on deck. Now, this is being recorded, so if you get up here, move the mic to um, make sure everybody can hear you. Um, before we start, uh, I'd like to just take a moment, if everyone can just be here for a moment. You guys, can you sit down? Shh. I'm getting real spiritual in your... <laughs> About, uh, the guys and the women that have come before us, people that aren't here. Um, some of them aren't here, but they're still on the planet. Some of them are just absolutely gone. Um, you know, there's uh, uh, Uncle Herb here from, from Hawaii, uh, Frank Honeycutt, who lived here in Long Beach and always did the meeting. Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, not Owen, a uh, guy from Australia that, that used to come and told us uh, that AA was the greatest export that we ever sent from America. Um, all that wisdom and, uh, you know, that the hot, the breath of life that they brought to us. You know, I just want to acknowledge them before and bring them into the room with us. And, uh, and I get the pleasure of calling on the first person. I'm going to go with the oldest time to the youngest time. If you're getting here late and you haven't signed up, Please let me know. Give me a subtle um, sign, and I will try to, you know, I'll work you in. Uh, I have the pleasure of introducing my husband, who happens to be the person with the most time. He's got 50 years, and his name's Buzz.
little quick recap, 1968, October. I had been on my last on the wagon trip and I concluded that I cannot stop drinking. And that I'm gonna go back to drinking now because I had gone for about three days without drinking. I had taken about 50, 100 milligrams of Thorazine to stop the shakes all by myself. And the mouth gets so dry, you can't even fit. <laughs> and I'm going down the highway and the road is, these little things are floating around and I said, I can't do this, I'm gonna drink till I die. And I went to the bar and I poured a double shot of brandy and a glass of beer and started in in October. And I decided, by the middle of November, I had reservations whether or not I was going to live till I died. I was so miserable. <laughs> Thank God on December 27th in the workplace, the girl next to me popped uh, her mouth open at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just her and I in the office, and she said, Mark. She said, I don't know what you got hit down in the basement down there, but you smell like a distillery. And I was really ticked because I didn't have nothing hidden in the basement. I was going out the front door down to the bar on the corner. <laughs> she said, I'm going to have, she said, I'm doing all the work and you're getting the pay. I'm, I'm going to have you terminated. And I thought, you know, right now I'd be willing to quit drinking to save my job to have money to drink on. And only an alcoholic can understand that thought process. <laughs> but I became willing, and it was in short form. From there, I ended up at the doctor's office and getting uh, a report to go into the institution the next day, which was the loony bin, the cuckoo's nest, because I had emotional problems. And it was there that within a few days, my mind started clearing out and I had a session with the psychologist and I told him that I thought I drank too much. And that was, I've been working with this kind of thing for years and that was the smartest one I ever met. He said, I can't help you. He said, I know someone who can. And I got referred over to a guy that walked in the door and he said, I could get out, I could stay for a month and when I get out, go to AA. And the second thing I need to do is keep going. And that was 49 years ago. And it's working. Right. Thank you. I'm Melody, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm Melody. I really didn't think I was an alcoholic. I, just, I knew I was a drunk that got drunk and fell down. And I could stop maybe two or three times a month, last about three days or so. I did not know about AA. I absolutely did not know. I had stopped for about nine months, and I had done something good for the community, and I was such a bright person. Everybody should be bowing down to me, because I had done something fantastic. So I thought I would reward myself with a little beer. The big tall can. <laughs> Two days later, this was on the 1st of July, I drank the rest of that night, the rest of all of the 2nd of July, the 3rd of July, I tried to drink, but all I was doing was throwing up. Now, my sister and I was teased about having our comfort, our family reunions in the bathroom. That was our normal thing, was to drink 
and go to the bathroom and get sick. My mother had to hire babysitters to take care of our children because we would lay in there and puke, you know. And that was our reunions. So here I am, one more time, on that floor, puking. I had 20 people invited over to the place and 20 people in one bathroom. And I'm being on the floor sick. And I'll tell you, none of them thought it was unusual. I had been doing that for years. And they just stepped over me when they had used the toilet and went on, you know. They'll <laughs> be sick again. Big deal, you know. And so, but I got, this time I went into convulsions. And I got caught between the tub and the stool. And I looked like I had been beaten up by a group of people. And I come in there and I said, oh my God, I'm going to die. And that's when it came to me. I had to quit drinking because I was going to die. And so anyway, I started looking around and, and uh, I was able to stay sober for a couple of weeks. But my aunt, she still was drinking. So I decided I'd go down to the meeting. Uh, I heard about AA. I'm going to go down and get a few brochures for her. Because I stopped, you know. Uh, I've stopped for a couple of weeks. So I, I'm good. I can always stop. But I got in there and I found that the program was for me. My aunt never sobered up. And that's her story. My story is I sobered up. My children sobered up. And I am so grateful to be here. This is such a wonderful way to be. And I, I just love all of you. You're my extended family. Thank you very much. We have Ginger R, Ron Z, and Irish John. On deck, please. And take the cookie after you share. If you have an empty seat next to you, if you can raise your hand. There's two people sitting uh, standing in the back. Thank you. Come on, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Jim C. from New York. I had a very bizarre life before I came to AA. I was uh, all over the place. I drank in the 60s into 1970. And, um, I was self-centered to the extreme. I was fearful. I was resentful. I had all the attitudes that the book talks about, the big book about Golden Anonymous and so forth. I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. And I wasn't a good employee because it probably might probably blind. But I never seemed to know who I was, so I tried different things, and I I hung out with uh, famous musicians. I definitely hung out with Jim Morrison. I know some of you don't believe that, but I did. <laughs> I did. His picture's in one of the restaurants in town. I said to the waitress, you know that guy? I hung out with him. And you remember Kent State? And the National Guard shot my best friend Jeffrey Miller was killed. He went on to, he was the guy with the girl over him, one of the most famous pictures ever taken in the world. And I resented Nixon for that, I resented everything. Did I really, I didn't know what I was, I always drank. I just drank, I had to try to get into everything. Uh, it was getting to be the Vietnam time. Um, I was, uh, I was gonna go, but I couldn't, it was a double vision of which I still have to this day. 
And um, the last day I drank, see, I was trying to be everything. I was, I didn't like hippies. I, my wife was a hippie. <laughs> but she looked good. She had a fine, she had a very fine rear end that she could cook. And that's the only reason I married her. I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing in life. I just, and I never seemed to fit in. So I had my last drink June 20th, 1970. Not because I wanted to, but something upstairs, I think, somehow motivated me to come to AA. And I still didn't want to stop when I got here, that meeting. By the end of the meeting, I wanted to stay here forever. I do not understand that to this day, and I will never understand that. So they told me there's a solution here. We have an answer for you. My sponsor said, are you willing to take certain steps? They were taking me out to diners, buying me underwear. I needed underwear. They were doing everything. And uh, so the solution he told me was in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that I am an alcoholic of a hopeless variety, but I can recover if I take certain steps. And it's a spiritual way of life. And that's what I did. And that's the reason I'm here. I go to meetings. I'm into that. I am into that book, and I highly recommend that to newcomers. Get into that book. That's what they left us. Nothing else. Just the big book. That's what they left us. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Ginger, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Ginger. Look at all of you. You got faces that move and eyes that sparkle. Um, I like to drink in a place called the Trails End. Um, they didn't have people that look like you there. Um, I was in so much denial when I came to AA. Um, I, my home group is the Woodland Group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Woodland, California. And uh, my sobriety date is April 5th, 1975. And I was 26 years old when I came in here. You were all old. And I was the youngest one for a long time. And I didn't think I had a problem. I was in so much denial. So they sent me to Al-Anon. And I, I thought, oh yeah, okay. That's good because it's your fault. I'm here, not mine. <clears throat> and those pesky Alanons, they kept saying, you know, honey, you ought to go to AA, to all those open meetings because they'll help you. And so that's what I did. Um, the big book says that we, we experience pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. Now, three years before I came to AA, I was still social drinking. Make a note of that. <laughs> I woke up one morning and I was in my apartment. I was alone. It was fine. Except I had a big wad of chewing gum in my pubic hair. I have, <laughs> I have no recollection of where that came from. How it <laughs> I didn't know what blackouts were until I came to AA because I just thought I forgot. Um, anyway. And the thing is, because I'm in denial and I'm fine and it's your fault, I just took scissors and cut it out and kept right on going with my social drinking. 
when I realized I was an alcoholic, I felt so bad. I was full of remorse and guilt and regret. And I felt horrible. And I knew if you guys know, knew that those things were happening to me when I was drinking, that you would ask me to leave. And at the very least, you would ask me to not sit next to your husband. <laughs> and my sponsor and people like you in rooms like this with eyes that sparkle and faces that move taught me that I can relieve myself of all of that guilt if I just do the work, if I do the steps, if I work the program, if I help others and if I'm in service for this program, that I can live free from that. And I don't have to drink in order to drown those feelings. Thank you very much.
And she said, for one thing, I've got rid of that terrible sense of isolation and loneliness that most, not all, most alcoholics suffer from. I started sobbing. Like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And that's what's been wrong with me mentally and emotionally all my life. Bill talks about a seemingly invincible barrier of isolation and loneliness that separates the alcoholic from their fellow man. That came down upon me at the age of seven years of age, sitting in a classroom, and was with me all my life. And it was a secret, because nobody knew. Outside, I was jacked the lad, and inside, I'm bleeding to death. And I was told in AA that AA will do for you slowly what booze did for me instantly. It'll get rid of that sense of isolation and loneliness. And that's what's happened to me. That's why I don't take any drink. That's exactly what's happened to me. Is that feeling of restless, irritable, and discontent is gone. And it's all as a result of putting the program of AA into my life. So thank you. My name's Mike, and I'm an alcoholic. Hello. I'm from Woodland, uh, California. But I, I got sober December 4th, 1977. Ginger was a greeter. <laughs> transform your life 
Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Being a proud member of Alcoholics Anonymous is different than being an attender, but a lot of us attend. You know, we're, we're abstinent for a while and we attend. But um, I'm proud to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, one of the best speakers, I, I like good AA speakers. I listen to a lot of speaker tapes. Well, I heard here Tina Albert, she spoke about three or four years ago, and she said, don't tease the disease. And I love that, you know. I don't, did anybody see her that, that when she spoke here? They had, she had an interpreter that was just, just crutch funny. <laughs> she was so funny. She had the whole room laughing. The interpreter, she was so good. And I'm so grateful to be here. I, I was in a wheelchair for a very long time, and I have a lot of empathy for my friends that are in wheelchairs. They, they don't have enough ramps. They don't have places where you can go out on the beach, you know. It, it, it makes it really hard. And, I'm just here to tell you that, that I like what, I guess what Debbie Davis says, that the 12 steps are a set of principles that are spiritual in nature, that, that expel, completely expel the obsession to drink alcohol and other things if you use them for other things, and enable the, um, the sufferer, I was a sufferer and I'm sure you have been sufferer too if you're here, to live a life that's useful and Purposeful. Thanks, Joanne. Uh, we have on deck uh, Barb from Kona with 39, Lynn L, uh, 38, and Linda W on deck. Sign outside, and it, it talked about the long timers. In the side of it, it says uh, 
acceptance of others in, in parentheses. And I'm thinking in three minutes, what can I talk about? I thought, no, maybe live and let live, you know? It, it, it kind of dawned on me about one guy that uh, I heard was uh, about my age when he got to AA, you know, I was late 20s, and he goes into a bar one night, a Friday night in Texas, and he goes over to the bar, steps up to the bartender, comes over and says, uh, what do you have? He says, three shots of whiskey. Bartender says, three shots of whiskey? He says, yeah, right here. So, pours them, and as usual, we do, he downs them. And there's a middle-aged guy standing right next to this guy. And looks at him, he says, Sonny, he says, you know, so you keep drinking like that. He says, you're not gonna live very long. He said, my granddaddy lived to be 91 years old. He said, your granddaddy lived to be 91 years old, drinking like that? He said, no, but I minded his own business. <laughs> It took me a long time in AA to learn that it, live and let live is all about that. But when I showed up, I always had a guy drinking like that. And, and I was down at my first meeting in Philadelphia, and some guy said, we don't drink here anymore. I thought, what are you, what's going on here? That was back in, in, in May of uh, uh, 75. You know? and, and they showed me that one day at a time, you could stay sober. But it was going to take much more than just the people in AA. It was going to take the God of my understanding to, you know, to produce the power to keep me sober every day. And uh, every day I ask, and every day I receive one more day of sobriety. Coupled with working those steps, my life has really changed an awful lot. And uh, full of gratitude just to be here in this beautiful place. Thank you so much. March 26, 1979. Wow. And I was one of those that knew I was a drunk for my first drink. It talks about it in the big book, where the first time I drank, I blacked out. And it would have been so much better if I'd have passed out. Because I made an absolute idiot of myself. And um, alcohol was good for me for a few years, but I really had a strong desire to quit. Because, you know, I was funny, you know, kind of life of the party, um, wasn't an angry drunk, but it hurt the side. I always heard the poem, and it was said a lot when I came in, when you get what you want in your struggles for self, and the world makes you queen for a day, just go in the mirror and look in the mirror and see what that gal has to say. For it isn't your family or friends whose judgment upon you must pass. The one that's most important is the one staring back in the glass. And I wasn't able to look at myself anymore, you know, with the, all of the things that piled up. And I was a desperate. I tried everything it talks about in that book and more. And I, I didn't know anything about AA or anything. And so I went through aversion treatment. And, you know, and uh, <laughs> thank God I knew one other person quit drinking and he invited me to an AA meeting. And, you know, I, I was one of those that they had told me to stand on my head to quit drinking, I would have done anything. I had that willingness, and I, I, I thank my dad every day, because I think I recognized the disease was him, and I was doing all the crap that he did, you know, growing up in that alcoholic. To me, this is the best thing that's ha happened in the past hundred years. I'm so grateful I'm alive in a day and time that we have this wonderful program, and I love my peeps. 
Thank you for keeping me sober. <laughs> Okay, on deck we have Kathleen H. from Redondo, Loretta, Jamestown, and Rick Mc, MC from Vancouver. If you could please come up on deck. Hi, I'm Lynn, I'm an alcoholic. Hi. It's good to be here and it's good to be sober. Uh, my sobriety date is August 28, 1980, and for that I'm truly grateful. And. Uh, Thank you for having me at this event. I'm the uh, new kid in Hawaii. Um, I've been on the Big Island for two years and this is my second time here. So I'm starting to feel a part of and I figured the best way to do that is to participate. I landed in Alcoholics Anonymous, a uh, falling down piss on myself, knocked my teeth out, drunk, drug addict. And when I came in, uh, my last drunk, um, I'd stayed sober 30-something days, and I'd taken shifts at all this means, because I, I immediately identified with just about everybody in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I feel fortunate for that. But what happened is I was still messing around with people that I probably shouldn't have been messing around with, because I have a few other addictions, too. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and so I found my uh, previous uh, beloved in bed with my best friend. And so what I did was what any good alcoholic would do. I went to the bar, you know, but it quit working a long time before I went back to uh, that bar. It quit working a long time ago. And what happened is I, I don't think I drank that much, quite honestly, but I went back to his house and, uh, and it didn't ease the pain. I needed that lesson. It didn't ease the pain at all. And I went back to that house and he threw me out and, I smashed the front glass door in and he came out trying to kill me, might have got a broken collarbone, had the police come, landed in the emergency room, and uh, you know, just a little social drinking. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I've been sober, I've been sober ever since. And if you want to hear how I did it, I'm actually speaking in this room tomorrow at one o'clock.
kid, you know, like nursing a baby somewhere in the back of the house. And I thought, you know, I wonder if the lady next door has these kind of troubles. You know? and, and truly, I just didn't know that. I, so I am really grateful that I finally found out what that I was alcoholic. And what I would really like to speak where I know we're just a minute or something, but I'd like to mention the incredible gift of the higher power. Uh, I spent so many years trying to figure out what God was, wasn't, mad at the Catholic, all that, and recovering this, and and I just call God love now, and I don't think I meant it when I said I turned my life and will over and please use me. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but I am being used. I was called this morning by someone, they were having a whole big problem in the meeting, and, the police came and dragged the guy, and the late girl said, what should we do? I said, you should pray for the guy that, that caused all this trouble. Never dawned on her to do that. She thought it was a legal advice. Anyway, I'm being used. Used up the type. Rick McCain, I'm an alcoholic. Rick. 
My spirit name is White Eagle. Hi, White Eagle. Uh, I bring greetings from Vancouver, Canada. I uh, had to mention to the chairman I didn't see many Canadians on the on the uh, on the pamphlet, but uh, I just wanted to uh, reminisce a little bit just for a few minutes because what can you say about God and His infinite wisdom? But circumstances for me uh, in March 20th, 1981, were just like anybody else is here, when you're at the end of your rope. What you don't know is that there's a power greater than yourself working at that moment in time. We only figure that out as time goes by, as the old timers in this room could attest to. And alcoholism has got, you know, as in the power, it's got nothing to do with age. You know, it's our illness, part of it, has nothing to do with alcohol. As I understand, in our book it talks about the problem is centered in the mind, you know, called obsessiveness. And they say that the spiritual problem is what we're blocked off from, as quoted in the book. But we need to be physically sober in order to get the, the benefit from the recipe. And so this is where this coming to these things and see, you just fly right by. <laughs> and uh, in, uh, in uh, you know, I had the great benefit of being at four world conferences. I spoke at one. I drove from Winnipeg to uh, New York one time to see Bill Wilson's grave. I've been to Akron twice, and I've got to meet and greet Dr. Bob's son, and those are the biggest things that ever happened to me in my life, besides my kids. Thank you. Hi, I'm Bessie, I'm Miss Hughes. Portland, Oregon, throughout my sobriety. This is like watching movie trailer after movie trailer. <laughs> I'm like, I want to watch that movie. <laughs> I want to know you all. We are the blessed ones. We are the lucky ones. And love wins. And um, what I've learned from you, from your shiny eyes that greeted me when I got here, that scared the hell out of me when I got here, was that with God's love? seeping into my soul, and it made it okay to keep coming back no matter what. And I, by the time I got to the third step, God spoke to me. I heard your voice, and it wasn't mine. And he said, you don't ever have to drink again the rest of your life. I'm like, cool. <laughs> if you keep coming back one day at a time. <laughs> and uh, by the, I was uh, using it at 10 and done at 19, a chronic alcoholic, and the drug use accelerated by alcoholism and I am forever humbled and grateful to be here with you guys. Thank you for starting the meeting and I, yeah, I want to
date is June 22, 1982, and I wasn't an alcoholic. You all had the problem, not me. Uh, I was paid to come to these meetings. Uh, my mother told, she talked before I got to, uh, she paid me to come. Uh, but you all had the problems, I didn't, you know. Uh, I finally found somebody in the meeting that I thought, well, I can relate to that. I had to find somebody that I could relate to. And I can relate to, oh, all these old people. I was only 26 and you know, And today, now I'm one of the old people. That's okay. Because <laughs> you know? uh, I, I wouldn't have lived this long if it hadn't been for the AA program because I was already walking dead when I got here. You know, uh, when you drink and use and, and wake up after overdoses, you, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> and and uh, doctors told my mother I shouldn't be here, that I'd be, I wouldn't wake up. But you know, God said I was gonna be here for you guys. You know, we do it today. And uh, so keep coming back. And a lot of times I don't know what the answer is, you know, and that's why we use the big book. Because all the answers are there. Thank you. Okay, on deck we have Mike R. from Santa Cruz, Tech Yoon from Honolulu, and Terry Guzzi Aiken. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is John Mason. Hang <laughs> loose in my home group. I got sober 12 days and 36 years ago. And for that, I'm truly grateful. I'm so glad that when I got here, there were many women in this program that did not leave me this alcoholic. You know, I came here not wanting to hear about God, because when I got here, God's last name was still down. And you taught me different. I came here, you know, when I was out there drinking and using, I thought I was God at times because I used to go to a certain bar and the bartender would say, Jesus Christ, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for getting that one. Um, <laughs> and I love, I love the long timers in you. I love watching people that have more time than I have. You know, I, our friend Frank Honeycutt used to run this long time meeting for many years. He used to be the chairman. And he used to tell me every time he saw me, he said, John, he said, I've been sober ever since I know now. And I took that to heart. And I've been sober ever since I know now. You taught me how to work this program. You taught me not to drink, to go to meetings, to work the steps, and stay involved in service and help others. And that's what I do today. Thank you for my life. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Mike R. Alcoholic. Mike R. When they said they were cutting it down to two minutes, my wife got a big kick out of that. She looked at me. She's a, she knows I'm not short with you. It's 145. 145? Well, good luck. Yeah. I mean, don't have to drag me down. 
about a year before I got here, I, you know, I was done like daily drinking because I was just always in the hospital with alcoholic seizures and stuff, and in and out of little detoxes, and I just gotten out of a long state. Some of you Southern California people might know at Lost Heads Ranch in Desert Hot Springs, California. That's where I wound up. Still didn't stay sober. Three things happened to me on one night, January 9, 1983. I had a moment of clarity that I couldn't run away from. I was an alcoholic without a plan. I was out of plans. Couldn't jive myself and come up with an idea to pass out. And the next day I walked into a meeting, I had to surrender at depth. Then after that, I was in this big rah rah meeting where I walked around saying, uh, What's that, y'all? Who's the sponsor? And before you knew it, it was kind of, I don't know, it stuck to me. And I didn't really have the, the old requirement for membership. I didn't have that requirement for app. I had to be here months before I actually wanted to stop drinking. I just couldn't imagine life like that. Now I can't imagine that I got this far. My life's been so great. I spent most of my life trying to, my sober life, actually, not most of it, you know, it serves me trying to make it up to my wife. Because every time I take her on a trip, I get to go. I want to mention Bud Tolleson before I go. He's one of the guys who actually helped start this thing. He was a good friend of mine. He used to give you a marble when you were new. And tell you, well, up to this point, you lost all your marble. Wear it again. And then back. Another guy might have been a drunkard. And here I sat. 
So the bartenders gave us three beers, and the first guy, he looked down, he seen them flying, and he scooted it back and said, give me another one. The second guy looked down, he seen a flying beer, and he took it out like this and looked around and threw it on the floor and drank it back straight down. Me, I looked down, and there's a fly in my beer. So I picked it up and I said, spit it out, spit it out. <laughs> That's who I was. The only thing in the beer bottle for me was more. And I suffered from alcoholism and drug addiction. For me, the thing is, it was never about stopping, it was staying stopped. So I was in this program way before I got sober. And I learned something about myself that I, would, I thought I was too young to be an alcoholic, and I just couldn't conceive the rest of my life without a drink or a drug. But God taught me something that I'm a blessed, blessed person. Not so much a miracle, but I am a blessed person, and that God loves me. And I found God about six years ago when I had a heart attack. And I don't believe in God. I don't trust in God, but I have trust in God, and I know that today. When I turn my will and life to care of God, it's a daily occurrence for me, and I never regret it. So I thank you very much. Oh, this is my first time here. Okay, Teresa left for take her off Capilet. Uh, Codine Jennifer from Florida to Kona. Um, we got Rick with 33. I don't have a last name. <clears throat> Somebody get up here, we're wasting time. Hi, I'm Colleen, I'm an alcoholic. So I wanted to share about um, my family afterwards, because the first time I read that chapter, I just thought, not my family. It'll never be what's described um, happily in the big book. And I just, every time I read it, it was not my family. And then um, one day a family member was going to do something for me. And they said to me, I don't know why I do things for you. You hate everything I do. And I said, oh my gosh, they know. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next time this family member was going to do something for me, I, I just said a prayer. I said, God, please don't let me hate the next thing this person does. And what happened is the hate was removed from my heart. It was not only the next thing, but all the hate that I had for that person. My relationship with that person changed with that. So God does more than I ask for. I'm drinking alcoholic. I don't move to the place called uh, Thursdays where a happy hour never ends in Sunset Beach, but I'm also a member of uh, Lucky 13 on, on the beach meeting with Prue. Um, I was going to help out a little. Our, our gal here had mysterious things involved with uh, 
a bunch of guys started to go to the International Convention in um, Louisiana and they uh, called halfway there in uh, <clears throat> Cedar City, Utah and asked for a place to camp out in uh, Beaver, Utah. The sheriff was there, said they could stop there in a way, they stopped there in a way, had a great time, the sprinklers went on, the whole thing went on, they decided to do this every year. And a bunch of guys from Salt Lake City come down dressed as cheerleaders and uh, entertain us. And uh, they have this little thing where they talk about how to catch a beaver. And the secret is you got to sneak up on it and give it a kiss. Thanks for <laughs> Um, at the age of 17, I was a violent blackout drinker, um, I, and as a result, I almost killed my six-year-old sister. And uh, at that point, I needed to stop drinking, and I couldn't. And I um, was going to go out with a suicide attempt, but I was um, interrupted by my mom, and I was taken to treatment. And um, that's where they took me to my first AA meeting, because I thought I was crazy. And I went to the meetings, and I saw the hope and the laughter. And it felt like a ton of bricks had been taken off my back. Because I wasn't crazy, I was just an alcoholic and there was a solution. And I'm so grateful to be here. I never thought I would live to be 30, let alone have 33 years of sobriety. And um, especially the last few years, it's been, um, I've turned my well life over to God and it's been so magical. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Sober, which was September 29, 1986, in Virginia. My home group today is in Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Some Seattle. Anyway, um, I just so every day I woke up, I said I'm not going to drink, and every day I drank. It was demoralizing and defeating, and it was a nightmare, as we all know. Um, but I have so little time. I got to say one thing about the person that reaches their hand out to a newcomer. And that person's in this room who 32 years ago reached out to me and kept reaching out to me and kept reaching out to me and saved my life. It's Colleen. She's sitting right here. Yeah. And uh, never underestimate what it is when you reach your hand out. So I do that still because of what it did for me. So thank you, Colleen, and thank all of you. My name is Ernie. I'm a grateful carbon alcoholic. December 24th, uh, my union sent me to the rehab. Uh, my medical chart said chronic alcoholic. Uh, there was a hole in my soul you could drive a truck through, an emptiness that I knew I could let that alcohol and drugs stop working on, and I had no hope. Counselor made my first, the first step, and what brain cells were left, I understand, because the more I tried to control my drinking, the more I had to control my life was. I found hope that first day meeting and a voice was telling me, I listened to what your people share and the answers all my problems will come true, which is true. Uh, my mind was still out there, but my, my, my heart found the love in these rooms. That's still this day that when, uh, when I think things are not going all right, you know, I make that decision to, to run to an AA meeting and uh, that's the solution. You know, I have sober feet, a sober heart, my mind is in other places, but uh, I keep coming. Thank you. Yeah.
I was coming back from a family birthday party, you know, heading through the Caldecott Tunnel in the Bay Area, and uh, my wife had been uh, trying to control my drinking, and she insisted I get behind the wheel, even though she was six months pregnant, and I was hammered. And I totaled out my car, uh, although it still uh, traveled for a little while, and uh, I had run into another drunk, and we both said to get the hell out of here. And uh, my solution for that was to call him sick the next day. And uh, it's a total blackout. And my pregnant wife had to bail me out. And I was absolutely convinced that I would end up getting behind the wheel again. And I found my way into these rooms. And it's all that time now.
you know, looking like, you know, God, she seems like such a nice girl. <laughs> I came to you in 81 because the judge thought it would be a good idea. Uh, I, I, after 18 months, I was cured. I went back out in 88. I came back in on my hands and knees, um, and I got into service. Uh, I said the hardest thing that was that, that I didn't realize was the requirement for membership. I said, I need help. And uh, somebody came over and talked to me in a really soft voice, and she said she would help me, and she's been helping me for the last 30 years. Um, she got me into service. I brought donuts, I, uh, and I became a secretary of meeting. And I went out, and I found this guy to come and speak, this old guy that seemed like a nice guy. And um, I heard him speak, and my sponsor leaned over and said, there's your man. <coughs> I had no idea. I was not interested. Um, he, uh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that had started out in prison, got out, <coughs> pardoned from the governor, went through training, became a peace officer, which is a really rare event, and had 30-something, uh, anyway, um, now after, just recently retired after 33 years uh, carrying a badge um, as a parole agent. <coughs> and uh, we've had a really good life. And the, the life is not only have we been of service in AA, but we've been of service to our families, and that's where it really counts. Thanks. Come on. All right. Yeah. Woo!
And I don't know if I would have went back out and drank, probably because that's what I do, alcohol is my solution, and it just made everything okay. And I thank God for that person that came up and reached out to me and I said, yes, help me. And with you and you showed me the fellowship, and um, since then it has changed my life. Alcohol is, um, to me, is like um, you see it and show up and it's the easy way.